What's up, everybody? Casey Putney here, and welcome to episode seven of the Leadership for Life podcast. Episode seven. Wow. When I started researching podcasting and determining what approach I, I, I wanted to take with this platform, virtually everything I found said that most podcasts don't make it to episode seven. Maybe the folks leading the podcast get busy doing other things. Maybe they lose interest. Heck, maybe they run out of content and things to talk about. I would guess that, that some become discouraged. Discouraged because they entered into, into this arena with plans of millions of listeners only to find out that there was only a handful of people tuning in. It's a lot of work doing a podcast. So maybe, just maybe... Some folks look at the amount of people they're reaching today and think, what's the point? What's the point of creating content, of recording, of editing to reach only a handful of people? I understand. I don't necessarily agree, but I understand how someone could, could get there. How someone could reach that point of belief. I think it all comes back to goals and attitude. We we talked about goals in our last episode, and now we turn our attention to attitude. This is the first of seven episodes dedicated to the topic of attitude. In future episodes, we'll look at how attitude and our potential go hand in hand. We'll look at how our attitudes are shaped and ask if our attitudes can be changed. We'll look at how obstacles and challenges enhance our attitude, and we'll examine our attitudes as they relate to failure and success. In this episode, we want to ask the question, how does attitude impact leadership? How, do, how does attitude affect the leadership of a team? Does anyone really care about attitude? I mean, really, who, who cares about a person's attitude? Aren't, aren't we much more concerned about the results a person is able to generate? Now, I know you're, you're all smart people out there and you're immediately saying back to me, hold on, Casey. Attitudes definitely matter. Of course they do. And that's what we'll examine in this episode. But I also know that a person's bad attitude is oftentimes overlooked especially if they're a high performer. I know I've seen that play out several times in my life. It may have been on a sports team or in a professional capacity, no matter the settings. The situations resemble one another. Someone is really talented. They earn more money, they complete more tasks, or they simply know more about the nature of the work than anyone else, so their bad attitude is ignored. Have you ever experienced this? Oh, I'm, I'm sure you have. At, at one point in my career, I was recruited to join a team of approximately 150 people. I had been leading a much smaller team up until that point of around 25 folks. The smaller team was very high performing. Everyone was certainly skilled at their job, but what really made us stand out was the attitude of the team. No challenge could derail us. On a daily basis, we all got along. We stepped up to help each other out and genuinely tried to create 
a good place to work. Now, don't get me wrong. There were days that we struggled. There were days that one of us was moody or troubled by something going on in our personal life. But we always supported one another. It was the success we had as a small team that led to me being recruited to come work within the larger team. The larger team was struggling. No one's happy, it was explained to me. We're having trouble keeping people as our turnover rate is soaring. Even more, the folks that are staying don't want to do any work. Not the most, not the most ideal circumstances for a job, right? I mean, come on. Everybody's unhappy. Turnover's high. And the folks that are there don't want to do any work. Certainly, I, I knew I had my work cut out for me. That, that's an understatement. About three days into the new assignment, a young team member, maybe, maybe having been part of the team about three months, walked up to me and said, do you hate it here yet? I've only been here for three days, I answered. Give it time, you'll hate it too, he responded. To say negativity had taken hold of the organization would be an understatement, and the leaders weren't exempt. The most senior leaders were actually a big part of the negativity. They'd treat people with little respect, make decisions that frustrated everyone, and offer no explanations. They led from a place of superiority. They leaned on their position to get things done instead of relationships. They leaned on their positions instead of building relationships. They even threatened punishment. To anyone that made a mistake. Severe punishment. They openly made those threats. What did that cause? A bunch of people afraid to do any work. Because if they made a mistake, they would suffer the consequences. And these senior folks, they really thought they were leaders. They really believed that was the way to lead an organization. They used fear. They used fear to try and motivate. They used fear to try and drive the mission. They used fear to try and garner results. And every level of leadership underneath the senior folks followed the trend of negative thinking. The organization operated 24 hours a day and had three shifts. Day shift, swing shift, and mid shift who handled the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. hours. I, I quickly saw that all three shifts disliked one another. They actually withheld information from each other and did nothing to help each other out. Countless times, people on one shift would near the end of their shift and instead of pushing to the, to the last minute, would stop working early and say, Leave it for the other shift. This happened on, on every shift, every single day. They were one organization, but they operated as three separate teams. How does a culture get so bad? Because of leadership. John Maxwell says, Everything rises and falls on leadership. I love that. Everything 
rises and falls on leadership. Such a true statement. Everything rises and falls on leadership. How it, how, how is your team doing? How's your family doing? How's your organization doing? How's your church doing? How's your volunteer group doing? It all depends on leadership. If you're experiencing success, look to leadership. If you're experiencing frustration, look to leadership. It normally starts with one or two people. If these people have influence, they can ignite a spread of negativity throughout the entire organization. That was certainly the case with this organization. And the person with the original bad attitude was named Chad. He'd been a part of the organization for over 12 years. That may not seem like a lot to folks that have worked at a job for 20 plus years, but remember, turnover was high. Chad, having been there for 12 years, was one of the most tenured. In fact, that was part of the problem. Chad had a, had a wealth of knowledge. He could walk into the organization every day, and no matter what the problem was, chances were that Chad had encountered it before. He had all the answers. Chad had been there longer than the senior leaders. That fed Chad's ego. He would tell everyone that the organization couldn't exist without him. And that ego pushed him to behave in in some pretty gross ways. He bullied people. He was rude, demeaning, and disrespectful to virtually everyone. Nothing was done about his attitude because Chad had the talent. And Chad's attitude rubbed off on others. Other leaders, people with influence, wanted to be associated with Chad because he had all the answers. It should come as no surprise that they began thinking and acting like Chad. They watched him treat people with disrespect and get away with it and followed his example. And with their influence, they encouraged others to adopt the same attitude. What started as a bad attitude in one or two people made a mess of the situation for everyone. From that experience, I learned that talent isn't enough to bring success to a team. Famed Notre Dame football coach Lou Holtz would say, You've got to have great athletes to win. You can't win without good athletes, but you can lose with them. What Lou was saying is that talent isn't enough. Certainly you have to possess talent as a team to win, to garner success, to reach your potential, but talent alone will not get you there. There's been many a talented team that have never reached their potential. Why? Because talent alone will never reveal to a team the level of success that talent matched with a good attitude could unveil. In his book, The Winning Attitude, John Maxwell wrote about attitude, saying, It is our best friend or worst enemy. It is more honest and more consistent than our words, and it is the thing which draws people to us or repels them away. Attitude is so important. Good attitudes among teammates don't guarantee a team's success, but bad attitudes guarantee its failure. I'll repeat that again for you. You should write that down. Good attitudes 
Among teammates don't guarantee a team's success, but bad attitudes guarantee its failure. Folks, I want to share with you now five truths about attitudes. These truths, I believe, will, will serve to clarify how attitudes affect teamwork and a leader's team. Now remember, when we say team, we could be talking about any number of examples. Maybe your team is a sports team. Maybe it's a professional team. Maybe you see yourself as part of a family team or a nonprofit team or a volunteer team. Anytime two or more people join together for a common purpose, they're a team. And attitudes matter. Okay. So five truths about the effects of attitude on teamwork and a leader's team. Here we go. Number one, attitudes have the power to lift up or tear down a team. That's certainly a truth. In The Winner's Edge, Dennis Waitley stated, The real leaders in business, in professional community, in education, in government, and in the home, also seem to draw upon a special cutting edge that separates them from the rest of society. The winner's edge is not in a gifted birth, in high IQ, or even in talent. The winner's edge is in the attitude, not the aptitude. I like that thought. It's not an aptitude, but an attitude that give winners their edge. I think many folks resist that notion. They want to believe that talent alone is enough. But plenty of talented teams out there never amount to anything because of the attitudes of the people on the team. Look, if you want outstanding results, you need good people with great talent and awesome attitudes. Seriously, the key to outstanding success is bringing together good people who possess great talent and display awesome attitudes. Do that and success will flow to your team freely. The truth, however, is that many of us put way too much faith in talent and pay not enough attention to attitude. That's what happened in the organization I moved to and explains how Chad was allowed to be so negative for so long. He had actually convinced others that they couldn't get the job done without him. Because of that, good people, good people, turned a blind eye to how he treated other people on the team. And other team members' attitudes were affected. When attitudes go up, so does the potential of the team. When attitudes go down, the potential of the team goes with it. Okay, that's number one. Number two, an attitude compounds when exposed to others. Not everything on a team is contagious. Talent, experience, height, speed, intellect. But you can be sure of one thing. Attitude is indeed contagious. When someone with influence on the team is teachable and their humility is rewarded by improvement, Others are more likely to display similar characteristics. When a leader is upbeat in the face of 
discouraging circumstances, others will follow that example. People have a tendency to adopt the attitudes of those they spend time with. They pick up and and replicate the mindsets, beliefs, and approaches to challenges. Consider Roger Bannister. During the first half of the 20th century, many sports experts believed it impossible for a human being to run a mile in under four minutes. And for a very long time, they were right. Then, in 1954, British runner Roger Bannister ran a mile in three minutes and 59 seconds. He'd later say that he he approached it with an attitude of certainty. He spent time visualizing himself running a mile in less than four minutes. His attitude was different. Less than two months later, another person broke the four-minute barrier. Then, dozens of people broke the milestone. Today, there's a list of high school athletes that have broken the four-minute barrier. The same barrier that experts once believed was insurmountable. Bannister's attitude and actions compounded when exposed to others. His attitude spread. Attitudes are contagious. Chad's attitude was contagious. In fact, other people in leadership positions followed him around, using his catchphrases, repeating his insults and the nicknames he'd given people. He believed that on Fridays, he shouldn't have to work for the entirety of his shift. He felt it was okay to get an early start on the weekend. What happened? Others followed his example. When I joined the organization, I witnessed groups of people simply sitting around and talking in different locations of the organization with two hours left on the shift. Chad's attitude was contagious. The third truth about attitudes and leadership. Number three, bad attitudes compound faster than good ones. Bad attitudes compound faster than good ones. There's there's only one thing more contagious than a good attitude, and that's a bad attitude. For some reason, people people think it's funny or cool to be negative. The, the truth is that a negative attitude hurts hurts rather than helps the person who has it, and it also hurts the people around him. Think back to the new employee that approached me on day three of me joining the team. Do you hate it here yet? He'd asked me. Do you think he'd really experienced enough bad things to hate it there? In three months? Maybe. Or was it a result of the negativity that had compounded? What do you suppose the onboarding experience was like for that new employee? I don't mean the official onboarding experience. I I mean the one his peers gave him. The conversations that happened on the side at lunch and on break. Even more, once infected with negativity, how many peers and other new employees did that young employee then infect? In some cases, in the worst cases, you can be onboarded into negativity. On day one, 
you can be introduced to and indoctrinated into a culture of bad attitudes and negativity. Look, I I found it challenging myself. I was recruited in to try and help the culture, but I oftentimes felt myself fighting against the urge to go negative. I'd actually sit outside in my car before entering the building, giving myself a a type of pep talk. I'd say things like, look, Casey, you're going to have to deal with bad attitudes in there. You have to be strong enough to resist the temptation to be negative as well. Like Roger Bannister, I'd visualize the culture I felt we could create there and tried to move in that direction in the midst of everything, trying to move us towards the opposite. I tried to stay positive. I knew that attitudes are contagious and I wanted others to catch what I had, but it was tough. Bad attitudes compound faster than good ones. I wanted to reflect what I I wanted everyone to experience while trying not to absorb what most everyone was showing me. It's like that sometimes. We want to exist in a place of positivity and happiness, but everywhere we look, we see negativity. Maybe you find yourself in that place today, surrounded by negativity. What do you do? The very first thing you have to do is lead yourself. Before you can lead anyone else, you have to lead yourself. You do that by being aware of your own attitude. Do that by being aware of the temptation to jump into negativity. You have to build up an immunity to negativity. In other words, you have to be able to exist within it without becoming a part of it. Only then can you begin to change the hearts and minds of others. All right, number four, the fourth truth about attitudes. Attitudes are subjective, so identifying a wrong one can be difficult. Have you ever interacted with someone for the first time and suspected that his attitude was poor, but you were unable to put your finger on exactly what was wrong? I believe many people have that experience. The reason people often doubt their observations about others' attitudes is that attitudes are subjective. They're influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or experiences. We sometimes feel that we have to see evidence to support our feelings. We we don't want to be judgmental, for goodness sakes. So we explain our feelings away as it's just us being silly. After all, it's not like the person is breaking any rules or laws. But here's the truth. Someone with a bad attitude may not be doing anything illegal or unethical, yet his attitude may be ruining the team. Bad bad attitudes aren't always measured in legal versus illegal, but they can be measured in terms of being constructive versus destructive. Another point to consider is that person's attitude is simply a glimpse into how they see the world. People always project on the outside how they feel on the inside. Attitude really is about how a person is. That overflows into how he acts. When speaking about attitudes, my mentor uses the term rotten. Bad attitudes are referred to as rotten attitudes, referring to how a rotten apple can ruin the whole bunch. 
Allow me to share with you some common rotten attitudes that ruin the team. As I go through them, consider them so that you can recognize them for, for what they are when they're encountered. Here's a rotten attitude. An inability to admit wrongdoing. Have you ever spent time with someone that never admits when they're wrong? It's painful. Look, nobody's perfect. But someone who thinks he is doesn't make the ideal teammate. That attitude will always create conflict. Next up is failing to forgive. Holding a grudge is never the right thing to do. It keeps the team trapped in a negative space, unable to move past yesterday. The disease of me is another attitude that can be quite destructive. In his book, The Winner Within, NBA coach and executive Pat Riley writes about the disease of me. He says that team members who have this disease develop an overwhelming belief in their own importance. Their actions virtually shout the claim, I'm the one. Riley says the disease always has the same result. The defeat of us. The disease of me always leads to the defeat of us. Okay, those are just a few negative attitudes that exist. Certainly it's not an exhaustive list, but maybe looking at those few can help us identify bad attitudes when we see them. All right, number five, and the last truth of how attitudes affect teamwork and leadership. Rotten attitudes left alone ruin everything. Bad attitudes must be addressed. You can be certain that they'll, they'll cause resentment, combativeness, and division on the team. Even more, they'll never go away on their own if left unaddressed. They'll simply grow and spread throughout the team and ruin the chances of the team ever reaching its potential. Leaders, please hear me. You cannot ignore rotten attitudes. You simply must address the issue. I once took over a team with a team member who had been a part of the organization for over 40 years. The amount of experience and knowledge this person had was amazing. Still, her attitude was horrible. As the new leader to the team, I had to approach the subject with her. It wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy it. But it had to happen. And to be totally honest, I had to have the conversation more than once. The person ended up retiring. A few short months after I began having these conversations, she retired. I hated to see that happen. But I'd learned from my time with Chad at how destructive and contagious a negative attitude can be. I encouraged her to stay. I shared that she had so much to teach everyone else, but only if her attitude can change. She decided to leave. And in turn, the team surged to a new level of success. I know conversations like this are tough, but you have to have them. If you care about your team and you're committed to helping everyone, you simply cannot ignore a bad attitude. You have to have the conversation. I know it's scary for so many of you. Look, this is one of the most common conversations I have with supervisors 
So many of them are avoiding having the conversation they know they need to have. And while we wait to have the conversation, the bad attitude grows in power and infects more and more people. All right, my friends, that's our five truths related to attitude and leadership. Number one, attitudes have the power to lift up or tear down a team. Number two, an attitude compounds when exposed to others. Number three, bad attitudes compound faster than good ones. Number four, attitudes are subjective. So identifying a wrong one can be difficult. And number five, rotten attitudes left alone ruin everything. Look, chances are you're part of a team. Most likely you're, you're part of several. What are the attitudes like on your team? What, what's contagious? What's spreading through your entire team? Is it positive or negative? Is it constructive or destructive? Now, look outside of your immediate team and look at how your immediate circle of team members interact with other teams you come in contact with. Are you all one team moving in the same direction or are you separate teams all focused only on your own existence? Attitude. It really is what separates great teams from poor teams. Well, my friends, that's it for for this episode. I, I hope you found value in it. Our, our next episode will examine how attitude actually affects the individual. We'll look at how your attitude and your potential go hand in hand. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode, and we hope to see you back with us next time. Good luck out there, and remember, I'm here to help.